Hey everyone and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment or Science Fiction Movie Podcast here at Mailfuzz TV. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings citizens. We every week get together and we talk about a science fiction movie that we, we watched and we started last month and the first one was via Patreon vote. We started Jurassic Park uh, the franchise. We did the first movie. We talked about that for a pretty lengthy amount of time, and mm-hmm. it's been about a month. Gave so it ridiculous scores. Ridiculous scores, and it's been about a month. So it's time for the Lost World, Jurassic Park, the second film in the franchise. This came out in 1997. Uh, we will start spoiler free. We'll give you a warning before we go to spoilers, and yeah, we'll we'll, we'll go through it. Uh, pre- pretty in depth, I imagine. This is like another one where. Um, even though obviously I don't hold it anywhere near in the same re- regard as the first one, because it's a movie that came out uh, when I was a kid, I tend to watch movies a lot. So I've still seen this like a ridiculous number of times, probably. <laughs> Surprisingly, I haven't. Interesting. I can tell you, uh, I just you know, as it somewhat interesting anecdote maybe. What a disclaimer. Um, After Jurassic Park came out and Crichton wrote a sequel, the Lost World novel, it was the first novel that I had read as a young lady. (laughs) And I was so proud that I actually got through it and uh, loved it. And it was the first time that I went to a movie after reading the book first and was very disappointed so even like even though i was pretty young and super high on jurassic park even then like i don't know it just disappointed me and i got so many more dinosaurs which is all i ever wanted and i still uh, <laughs> i still didn't rewatch this one a whole lot i i just joe it's funny like i feel like when when you're a kid you convince yourself to like just about everything especially when it's something that's connected oh, yeah. to something else that you do love right so obviously I i'm love, guilty of that now yeah <laughs> love jurassic park uh lost world comes out sit in the theaters and it's one of those things where like there's, there's, there's some moments in here that there's good scenes there's good ideas here or there um, it's so spielberg right yeah, yeah but at the same time it is definitely a much weaker film and it's one of those things we're looking back on it now as an adult um it's one of those things where even as a kid i knew there was something not quite right about this but i just never kind of admitted it like but i always mm-hmm. remember feeling like this was kind of had some weird qualities and i think it's, it's not a bad movie by any means but there's a lot of weird choices from a structural point of view <laughs> There's a, there's a lot of uh, weird elements to the film. There's definitely a, a general feeling of like we didn't really know what to do next, or, or maybe that was in the book. I don't know. Like, but it definitely feel it has that feeling to it, um, and it has like something that should be the focus of the idea of the movie ends up feeling like mm-hmm. it's tacked on because they leave it until the third act to, to you know like instead we get a rehash of being on an island again for two thirds of the movie, and it does this weird thing where it then flips and it feels like, oh, we're just ripping off King Kong by having this ending. And then, but yeah, but, but at the same time, if you actually look at the movie, like the most interesting stuff is in that, that last chunk, like the most visually interesting, exciting stuff is definitely the, the T-Rex doing stuff in that, you know, at the end. Yeah. So, but at the same time, it takes a lot to get there. It feels like a weird tangent uh, and feels tacked on as a, as a, as an ending, but it's not like there's a satisfying ending before that either though. Like if, if you, if you cut that stuff off and just had it end right before that, it would be a really disappointing movie. Cause there'd be no ramp up. There'd be no 
exciting climax. I, I think some of the characters are a lot more dull than the first movie. Um, obviously, there's a couple of ones that we like, but because obviously yeah. E. Malcolm's yeah. great, uh, he's back, and and it's it's a shame that the one where he gets to be the main star is the one that's really kind of like meh overall. I, yeah, I don't know. I actually don't really like him in this movie. Okay. Like, at all, <laughs> I really don't, and I am total Jeff Goldblum fan girl, but like, I don't think he's. There are some parts in this movie where he's like genuinely bad, and there are other. Like, I I couldn't believe when I was watching it this last time. I thought maybe Jeff Goldblum isn't a leading guy. Like this movie seems to show that he's better like in an ensemble, as like mm. the quirky one. And although I I love The Fly, uh, and and I think that movie is is awesome. We'll review it eventually and. He definitely holds that film. Um, I I couldn't help but think that maybe he's maybe he's supposed to be a supporting character. I wouldn't or a supporting actor. I wouldn't say I thought it was bad per se. I, I definitely noticed they toned down his character. Like you know, he still had a bit of E. Malcolm in him, but he wasn't as consistently. Not really. <laughs> like they made him a lot more kind of I don't normal. I guess you know they made him like a lot more of a normal dad. Yeah. Um. Nobody wants that, though. Which is kind of weird. Uh, and he's got a girlfriend played by Julianne Moore. Uh, plays a character called Sarah. And, I mean, she's fine. <laughs> like, she's... Like, it, do you know what's really weird about this cast, looking back now, is that I'm, I'm noticing all these people that I know from other things from later or, or whatever. And uh, uh-huh. Julianne Moore's not even that young here. She's in her 30s already. Like, she's not like she's, not like she's like, you know, just, like, you know, 21. And no, like, she looks, she looks yeah. age-appropriate for, like, yeah. Ian Malcolm. Yeah. But I mean, she does. But she comes across looking really young to me because I'm just so used to her being in her like late forties. <laughs> like you know, she's like fifty now. Like yeah. I'm just, I'm used to her age now. So when I saw her in this, I'm like, man, she looks dead young. And she doesn't. She's not really. She's older than me still, even at my age now. But like, if she feels really young because I'm used to her of, of a you know a later age, um, and then you get Vince Vaughn for some reason in this movie, uh, and I'm not <laughs> sure like what's going on there. Um, you have a character named Eddie who's who's around. He's got all the tech and the gear and stuff. And who is the best character? <laughs> Joe, I like him as well. I'm disappointed with how long he lasts in this movie. I always have been, even as a kid. <laughs> I know it sucks. Um, and of course, as a kid again. And this is one of those things where it really feels. I really feel the sequelitis of it is that we had to have a kid again. And then, yeah. uh, and it's not that the kid herself is bad. She's. Fa- I mean, she has one really bad scene you know later on in the movie but like she's not like like annoying or whatever like when she's around she's not like a bad character in that sense she's just mm-hmm. it feels like we have to do the kid again um and the third movie does that too and we'll get to that obviously when we get to the third one but um there was lots of things in this where i kind of felt like you didn't really like because one of the potential options is, is because like, they go into the island knowing how dangerous it is this time and that's a big part of the plot like I feel like, okay, if you're going to sit in an island again, then really play with the idea that you're prepared this time and that you're going to use tactics to try and, like, be safe. Um, and, I th- and you know, I, I probably wasn't thinking about this when I was a kid when I watched it because I was too young to really care or, you know, think ahead. But watching this now, I, I think to myself, well, if I saw this now for the first time, right, as Jurassic Park came out, I loved it. I saw this for the first time. My assumption here 
uh, given the first like 30 minutes of this movie is that okay this time the character's going in knowing it's dangerous they're bringing equipment they're going to be tactical Mm -hmm. and the fun of this is going to be how they kind of outsmart the dinosaurs and how they use their their brains knowing that it's dangerous and we've got a safari expert we've got you know like people who are used to dealing with animals and we, we play it that way right um and they don't really like they all their equipment gets wrecked <laughs> like absurdly quickly and then they're just running from dinosaurs again yeah well there i mean there is a lot of sabotage that happens uh, for one side of it and then there's also one really stupid thing that a character a pair of characters do that just ask for trouble and then but it leads to a great scene and it was, <laughs> it's, i mean it's probably the best scene in the movie the trailer scene is probably yeah, the best scene definitely. in the movie uh unfortunately after that everything else on the island is kind of <laughs> so i think we're both lukewarm in this um again i wouldn't really call it bad because i mean spielberg still knows how to direct scenes he still knows how to you know do things properly i, I also wonder if there's maybe a failure to ramp things up sufficiently because again we've just got t-rexes and velociraptors and i'm not saying they had to do what the third movie goes on to do and you know have this or, or jurassic world rather where they create like a new dinosaur but like surely there was something else scary like that was maybe not bigger than a t-rex but something that was different that we could play with that they could mm-hmm. i mean still have the t-rex i'm not saying not have the t-rex i'm just saying something new whereas you know really the one the one thing that i noticed in this that really sticks out is new is uh the stegosaurus there was no stegosaurus in the yeah. first one Oh yeah, I was gonna bring that up. Yeah. Uh, I, that's my favorite dinosaur since I was a kid, <gasps> and we finally got a Stegosaurus in there, and it looks great, and that scene's really cool too. But we don't really get a whole lot of nah. it. I wish I had more Stegos. I don't know what my favorite dinosaur is. T Rex. T Rex is pretty cool. I like a Triceratops. Um, Stegosaurus. I like is the Stegomizer. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> is that the one with the hard head? No, <laughs> the Thagomizer is what the uh, the spiky tail is called on the on the Stegosaurus. Ah, okay. <laughs> and it comes from okay. So, do you ever read the the Far Side the comics? Mm, no. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> it's gonna be hard to explain. They're like one panel comics. Um, they're just funnies. They're not like a comic book funny. Mm. But um, by Gary Larson, and um he every now and then we'll do like these cavemen ones and uh there's like this uh there's one where the there's a caveman giving like a like a demonstration like a powerpoint demonstration of the things to be aware of on uh on the on the stick of stars and he says this is called the thagomizer we named it after uh like Thagius or someone <laughs> or Thag or our long lost comrade or something who was killed by one. And it was so, I mean, uh, that's not funny the way I say it, but I swear it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, take your word for it. And, <laughs> and um, it was, it became so popular that paleontologists actually call it officially now the Thagomizer. That's the, the actual name of it. That's that an interesting bit of trivia. I'm glad you told us that. Uh, yeah. So I, I was the funny about this. I was as I was watching it is that you actually see you see Tim and Alex at the the start of the movie, and all I could think watching this because these are young actors, they're kids, and like they had their big moment with Jurassic Park, and all I could think was watching this scene, I was like, I bet those two are pissed to just got a cameo in this. Like I, I bet they were like, yeah, we'll be in the sequel, we'll do because yeah. it, it's not like you know Sam Neill and you know uh, like. 
Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Like, it's, it's, like, with them, it's like, okay, they've got other movies of what to do. They've got careers. Like, you know, Samuel's a serious actor, you know? Like, he's what to go do his <laughs> other things. Um, and, but with the kids, I'm like, they, 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 they'll take anything. They're kids. Like, they, they just want to be a part of the success. And they get a little cameo at the start. And that's like, it. Bye, bye, Alex and Tim. We'll never see you again. <laughs> yeah, I think they say, like, two lines each, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Uh, we do get a little bit of Hammond. I wonder if uh, Attenborough's health was maybe. I mean, I, I don't know if like maybe, maybe this was just like a no. He just wanted to do a couple of scenes and that was it, and that's why they have him look like he's really sick, or if he was actually getting sick in real life and this was just the, the compromise of okay, we'll do a couple of scenes where he's sitting in a bed. Yeah, and... I guess he he wasn't alive much longer after this. No, nah, I don't think so. No. Uh, so unfortunately, I have less Attenborough lines to quote. Uh, and he doesn't really have a lot of quotable. He doesn't, but he, he, he does movie. have. By God, they're flourishing! Like he does say that at one point. <laughs> so I wouldn't have remembered. Um, <laughs> I just watched it. Like I'll be honest, I I was I was trying to look for good lines to say from from uh, Hammond, and he, he doesn't really have any in this movie. It's not like the first one where he has all these quotable lines. <laughs> he's just you know, he's only in two scenes, and he doesn't have really much. Uh, so, in terms of spoiler-free, obviously the dinosaurs, uh, like the practical stuff, still looks great. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the CGI still holds up pretty well too. Yeah, um, I'd say the CGI is a, a little nudge above the first one in the sense that it's yeah. it's a few years later, it's a little bit better. You know, it doesn't look as blurry as the first one did. You know, they do a lot more, um, a lot more with the dinosaurs because you know the technology has advanced. So. We can like run up alongside them now instead of just seeing them from afar, mm. or um, like it, there, there's not as much practical. I think there's a little bit more CGI than it is practical, but there's a, there's a lot of practical when it comes to the T Rex heads. I was really noticing that. Um, they were, yeah, they were and the a, ones in the cages. Yeah, they were getting a lot of use out of the heads, and obviously the the baby T Rex um, is all practical pretty much all the yeah. time. So. Um, what? How, how did you watch this? Did you have a Blu-ray? I I do indeed have the Blu-ray. I have right here my uh my trilogy. <laughs> yes, why? Very impressive. <laughs> I um I streamed it and I streamed it on 4K. And maybe it's a TV setting, but I messed around with it and it looked really bad. All the night scenes looked horrible. And um, I don't know why. I will say the transfers in the Blu-rays aren't like, like you know how some movies get those great like ex- expensive restorations. Like if you watch Alien or Aliens now, if you watch two thousand and one, mm-hmm. they look like they were shot yesterday because they put oh, so much beautiful. effort. They're, they're gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Universal, for whatever reason, I've never really felt that they do that to their movies, and I think the Jurassic Park movies stick out to me. Um, actually, Back to the Future looks pretty good, so maybe they did work on some of them. But Jurassic Park, for whatever reason, is rather than remaster it, they've just taken whatever like film print or HD master they've had lying around, and so I think it's a combination of that plus maybe just the streaming bit rate. Like you know, it's the service itself is just maybe I found I found a lot of the night scenes like looked really blotchy, especially the faces, and mm. uh, I I couldn't figure it out if it was just my TV or the nah. fact that i was streaming it because I, I don't really have that much experience with it's not a tv it, that, that sounds like it's compression it sounds like the streaming service is just not pumping enough data per minute or per second um, 
I mean, I have the Chromecast Ultra 4K. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, I don't know. It did not look. Was, was that you trying to brag because I showed my Blu-ray off? <laughs> like, I'll one up, you have the 4K Chromecast. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I mean, physical media is probably always going to look better than streaming. It but... does. Um, like, I. I've not switched to 4K yet. As I understand it, 4K streaming is about on par with 1080p Blu-ray in the sense that there's a bit of a trade-off because it's streaming versus physical media. But the resolution is obviously so much higher that it kind of makes up right. for well, it. Well, that's the thing too. Like I have the 4K streaming, but my TV is not 4K. It's like 1080. <laughs> yeah, you'll be getting 1080. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's like messing with it, but even still, no, like that, what you're describing, things can... look better when I pick 4K versus 1080 on my 1080 tv no that, that's true they, they do uh because they're higher bit rates basically um so if yeah. you've got if you've got access to them and you um you can play them or the, the streaming service will pump it to you and you, it'll just you know you know you, you'll get 1080 version of it then cool but yeah i don't know it's a shame because a lot of the best scenes are at night and it just kind of looked blotchy and i i now, what, what you, I wasn't what, sure. What, uh, you're, what you're describing is a, a bitrate problem. That is the, the streaming service. But um, I will say... Even but it's the, only night scenes. Well, no, that makes sense. It's always, like... Have you never noticed this before? That night scenes always suffer? Like, dark, dark scenes are always the, where the compression hits it. You, you, you'll, you'll yeah, find I guess that's true. When you're watching I mean, I, stuff... I did notice that in the last season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, that, absolutely. It is, that is so true. You need way more data for, for nighttime scenes. That's why physical media uh, usually wins out because uh, they, they always try and cut corners with streaming. They always want to make it as, mm-hmm. as low as possible so they can get away with like less data. But it, it hurts. Uh, it doesn't look as good. Um, well, let this be a cautionary tale to myself and other listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what we, I mean, streaming would be great if they just upped the bit rates to things, but they're, they're so worried that people's internets aren't good enough or that data caps and things like that, that they want to keep it as low as possible. There should, there should be an option. There should be an option for people who have good internet to like just turn and like, hey, give me the high quality yeah. stream. <laughs> like, pump it up. I mean, if I if I choose to watch 4K, then yeah give me the high quality one yeah but even if you're still in 1080p like because like you can have 1080p and then have 1080p with three times the bit rate because to, to put it in perspective a, a movie on like netflix at 1080p the entire size of that files usually about five gig right um on a blu-ray the movie's probably closer to 35 gig like that's how much the difference in data there is per you know per okay. second kind of thing so but basically physical media as much as it's maybe more of a pain and not as convenient is actually superior for a number of reasons. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. But what I was saying about the Blu-ray, I don't have a Blu-ray collection. So. Is is they look kind of soft? Uh, the Jurassic Park movies are not as like pristine as some of the uh, the the big restorations that we have. Um, so hopefully they get that treatment at some point. Oh, maybe maybe the 8K revolution will be like you know what we finally have to remaster these damn things because they don't look mm-hmm. any better now because we've not done any work to them. Uh, so. What was I get at that? <laughs> Before you tangent this down. Oh, it still look good? It still look good. The movie looks good. Like, CGI looks good. Oh, right. Yes, yes. I mean, the cinematography is... The don't. <laughs> the cinematography looks, looks solid. Um, I had no blotchiness because uh, I was watching on the uh, the aforementioned uh, the, the Blu-ray. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but no, like, it's still, it's still, from a technical point of view, well put together. It's... I just I don't feel like 
the story is really there to justify the the exercise i think one of two things had to happen you either take the idea that like some asshole wants to put the park in the city and you have dinosaurs run amok in in a busy city right in this case san diego mm-hmm. um or you do what i was saying earlier where no no you have a team come to the island and you can't you can't treat like aliens right you have a team who's prepared not necessarily with guns and i mean they have guns but like not necessarily to kill everything but they're prepared to protect themselves more prepared than people who are yeah. ambushed yeah yeah exactly um and you you go that route you go you go the route of like a more proactive team of people uh who are you know who are ready to go um either of those things would be a nice flip on the formula whereas this doesn't flip it it just kind of does it again um and i mean if nothing else it it, it just proves ian malcolm right right from the start this is a bad idea all oh, this is a bad idea we shouldn't be doing any of this and then he's right <laughs> We shouldn't be doing any of this, ever. <laughs> I don't like the last third of the film. I, I don't that's... think it's, like, the more exciting part. And maybe well, well, maybe no, you're right. No, I don't like it I either. I don't know. I, like, I, it, like... No, I, I don't I like... I don't know. Like, I don't like that it's kind of a rip-off of other films and... No, no, uh, no. Of, like, King Kong and Godzilla. No, no, but, no, but listen, I'm, I, I don't like it either. I'm saying that there's the few shots you get of the T-Rex and the... We're not in spoilers, damn it! Why are you doing this? <laughs> the, you know, when the T Rex, when the T Rex is at the at the say, like the most interesting visuals in the entire movie is the T Rex interacting with stuff that wasn't on the island, right? It's seeing regular civilians get scared and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I mean, it is a new movie, but it does feel really tacked on. Well, it does. Yeah, that, to the, the point where I thought we already had an ending. The, the, and then the, the, the problem. Like, oh yeah, we still have this thing to the do. The problem <laughs> is not the concept of the of the dinosaurs in a city. The problem is that that should be the movie from Act One. Act Act yeah. Act okay. One of the movie. I agree with that. Act One of the movie should be dinosaurs arriving at this compound and like. You know, maybe Malcolm like try to argue with people. Oh, this is this going to be a yeah, disaster. Yeah, getting the character of Ian Malcolm onto an island of dinosaurs again is is kind of like uh, okay. Like you really have to. I don't know. It's it it feels forced. Well, they make up a love interest so that you'll feel the, the need to go and get her to rescue her. He does love the ladies. That's canonical. That's canonical. Yes, and he likes having kids, but not being with them, as we find out. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I like this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I, I can say I'm lukewarm on it at best. I don't hate yeah. it. I, I I don't think it's like like it's hateable. I think it's, I think it's a really bland sequel. It's a really bl- it's got a couple of standout scenes, but it's a really bland I, sequel. I haven't read the book in like years. But I remember it being very, very different. Like there are some aspects that are, that are the same. Um, I remember the trying to get to that part of the island that has the little radio tower mm-hmm. and uh, the fear of the raptors and the uh, the high hide and stuff like that. I think most of the characters are are there, but I think with the exception of a few things. I think the sequel of, in the book is very, very different from this movie, which is odd to me because this movie feels like like we, we need to have a sequel, but what do we write about? What do we make it? It's like, well, you have an author writing the sequel, so there's your story. But they altered but it so it, much. It's almost like, well, we have to take, we have to get... Uh, 
we have to give the people what they liked about the first movie again. So if that's not in that book, then make sure that you write it in somehow. And it, it just becomes like super messy. Hmm. Like I say, I, I would describe this as bland. I would describe it as a very bland sequel. Um, I know. So bizarre to say that because there's dinosaurs in it. <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the only sequel that Spielberg's ever done. I think so. And I, not the color purple too. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think like like he because it took him a while to do this because after Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. It took four years for this to come out, and I feel like he just he needed a break. And I don't know if he, I don't know if he loved making this movie. I, I think uh, he did another Indiana Jones. Oh, you're right. He's done sequels. Yeah, he's, he did all the Indiana Jones. Sorry. Okay, so he has done three other sequels, <laughs> but they're all part of the same series. You're right. So Indy's the exception. Uh, but I, I think he felt pressured into making this. I, I don't think this was something he creatively was like passionate about doing. I don't think so either. Yeah. I don't feel it. I don't feel it in the movie at all. There, there are some some really good, like moments where it's like, okay, there's Spielberg, there's the magic, there's the wonder, and then it's like, what is this? Like, he knows this is bad, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> what I guess was a paycheck movie. This was. Do you know I think it was? I think he needed a new house or something, and they were offering a shit ton of money. And he's like, yeah, you know what? I'll do it, and I'll get my new house. <laughs> yeah, he did go through a nasty divorce. Ah, yeah, maybe this was recouping the, the divorce. Uh, I don't remember when it was, but yeah. Or if it was before this, maybe, then maybe some maybe some alimony or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> everyone always jokes about Nicolas Cage having like five alimonies to pay. <laughs> so that's why he's always in all these shitty little movies. Cause he's got to pay off all those trilobites he's, bite, he's buying. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think we'll uh, we'll give the warning then and we'll, we'll dive out of spoilers and work through the movie and talk about it. Uh, so... Full spoilers then for the movie. Before we start the spoilers section, though, I will thank some patrons, our producers, patron producers for the month of, at least the time recording, December, uh, which is David Short, Alison M. Fordyce, uh, Cindy Palacios, and Tyler Hess. Thank you to them. That means that they're patrons at the $20 or up tier. Tara, whoop, whoop. explain Patreon to people. Oh, yeah. If you like what we do and you want to support the channel, you can go to our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. Uh, you can donate as little as a dollar per month. It won't get you the producer credit, but you will get bonus episodes of the Ace. Mm-hmm. And they're usually very fun, very goofy movies that maybe are a bit too goofy for the main channel. So That's <laughs> you get to be extra special and check out Rotor and mm-hmm. Time Cop. And <laughs> I would argue Time Cop was almost like a, a a regular movie we could have done. That was, you know, that's. I think maybe that's, one day we'll release it onto YouTube and be like, here, here's a preview of what you can get for being <laughs> a, a patron. And it's kind of our way of saying sorry. This probably should have been on the main channel. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, you hold one or two biggies behind the paywall. You got you to tease people and like, hey, all right, we'll keep it there for now. It's it's only a dollar. Yeah, and check it out. There's a lot of back catalogue. Uh, the most recent one that w- would have went up would have been Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Now, admittedly, <laughs> yeah. we tackle some really weird, like shitty little movies in the bonus episodes, which sometimes can lead to us only having like 25 minutes of actual conversation about the movie. If that <laughs> happens, like Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, uh, we'll just talk about other stuff <laughs> for a while. <laughs> yeah, 
to yeah, make we do a little bit. behind the scenes instead. <laughs> so full spoilers then for Lost World. Lost Lost World. Jumanji. I hate I hate the title of this movie. Can I just say why is it not Jurassic Park: The Lost World? I hate the fact that they put Lost World first. It pisses me why off. Why is it not just Jurassic Park two? What's or, wrong with numbers? I mean, not, yeah, numbers would be great too, especially since the third one's Jurassic Park three. Just call it Jurassic Park two. I hate it. I hate it so mm. much, and that's why I made that mistake. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, anyway. So yes, the Lost World, Jurassic Park, full spoilers. The movie begins on Isla Sorna. Or is it Isla? I forget which one's which. Is Isla Nublar or Isla Sorna? No, Isla Sorna's right. Is this Isla one? Nublar is the the first movie. It's the main line, right? I think. So. Okay, so there they start as this this very filthy rich british family i've got the yacht they've got they've got a whole crew there's a whole ship's crew uh mm-hmm. here with them they're on the beach having having drinks and food and the little girl runs off she wants to feed something or other and she she runs into little little dinosaurs these little ones that probably aren't too dangerous one at a time but they gang up like little chickens yeah and you know, I mean, I'll I'll just say it. Like I I uh, I think this little little one percenter had it coming, the little brat. Oh my god, this uh this scene's actually in the first book, but I don't think they were like a super rich family. I think it's just a family on vacation, and like a little girl gets she she sees like a monkey or something and uh, gets attacked by a compy. Compies are really big in the first in the in the Jurassic Park book. I know. Um, I don't, I don't hate this scene, but it is a little, it's, it's kind of our first red flag (laughs) as far as like how B movie this is going to be because it is very reminiscent of something that's kind of, I don't know, like a, like cheap, right? Sure. Cheap in the sense of like. Just a cheap thrill. <laughs> I um I have no particular problems with this scene on its own. In fact, I will say I do kind of love the wonderful transition from the mother screaming when she sees a daughter to <laughs> Jeff Goldblum just laughing as he's waiting for his train. Uh, not laughing, sorry, yawning. yawning. Yawning, yeah, sorry, yawning. That's what I meant to say. Um, <laughs> it kind of sums up his character wonderfully uh, from the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he's bored by it. <laughs> but he's but he, he yeah it's very different in this one he's he's kind of like he's become a bit of an activist to like speak out against dinosaur like resuscitation because like it was such a traumatic experience that he's he's deeply concerned about it um mm-hmm. i mean who knows if in jurassic world 3 we're going to get the uh, the happy uh jeff goldblum you know, you know jurassic part one jeff goldblum it feels like this will be the jeff gold because i mean the clip the glimpses we got of him in the last one uh, that came out felt more in line with Lost World, Jeff Goldblum. If anything, he was more serious and, like, no fun allowed. <laughs> yeah. So, maybe maybe, maybe make the piece that the happy Jeff Goldblum was killed by that T-Rex in Jurassic Park 1, and ever since then, <laughs> he's been this miserable sod who will never have that fire in his eyes again. Yeah. He was supposed to die, right? I think so, yeah, he dies in the book, right? Was that a thing? He does, and then the but the sequel does bring him back also. Oh, does it? Without okay. addressing it. <laughs> That's weird. Okay. Um. So. Yeah. So so basically, what happens is that uh, Malcolm we find out wrote a book 
He's been mocked on the train. He goes to Hammond. He's been summoned. He meets the kids. Uh, we meet uh, the the nephew of Hammond, uh, the guy who's now running engine, uh, engine. Sorry, to say it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ludlow's his name, uh, and he is like, ah, we're gonna, you know, all all this money we can make from these dinosaurs, we're gonna do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and Malcolm, you know, this guy is the lead in um uh, in uh, Full Metal Jacket. He looks so different. I did not realize that. I recognize yeah. him. Joe, you know I recognize him from. I recognize him from something <laughs> something give me a minute give me a minute he's been, he's been i mean he's in moneyball he's in the time traveler's wife he's shown up in a bunch of stuff he's one of those people who just shows up all over the place mm. uh over the years i'm just scrolling these imdb see if anything else jumps out at me it's like hey i've seen that uh yeah natural born killers i mean no, i saw that once a long time ago but um Oh, he was grown, the grown-up version of Scotty in the Sandlot Kids. Cool. Yeah. Wait, why is it called the Sandlot Kids? Is that, is that the UK title? Is that like a sequel? No, it's the first movie. I, I guess it's got a different title in the UK, which I never knew about. Oh. Yeah, it's just called the, the Sandlot. That's what I've always <laughs> called it. My, my Blu-ray of it says that on it. But as the US You Blu-ray. have the Blu-ray? Yeah, I have. I imported the US Blu-ray of the Sandlot because I like the Sandlot. Yeah, yeah it's kind of a boys movie. <laughs> I don't even like sports though. I just like the movie. Yeah, I guess we had to watch it. It was like a, a one of those movies that teacher wants to take a week off of school, <laughs> so we just put the Sandlot on. <laughs> so anyway, where are we? So he's there to see Hammond, and Hammond's there to tell him about the second island. Uh, where this is where they actually bred a lot of the dinosaurs. Even though the first movie certainly made it look like they were doing all the breeding on the main island, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I mean, wh- why were all the embryos that, that uh, Nedry was stealing, why were they there then, if all the breeding was happening on another island? Well, I think they are born, and then they go to the island where they live freely, and, you know, graze upon each other. <laughs> There aren't any fences. That's true. Yeah, no fences. As Goldblum points out, there's uh, no fences this time. Uh, but he's like, okay, we're going to send in a team. And he wants to, basically, this incident with the girl has, uh, like, basically loosened the control that Hammond's had of trying to keep all this away from everyone and not let anyone use it for anything. And mm-hmm. basically, they're going to let everyone else go in with their, with their troops and their choppers and start using it. And Hammond wants to prove that it's a real well life preserve that we should keep and maintain and stay away from. And he wants to... be a to, national park. Yeah. And he wants to send in a team of four, uh, including Goldblum. He's got like a, a tech expert, a photographer, and then uh, Sarah. And the idea that those four will have a, lot, a small footprint and can go in and sneak around the outside of the island and get photos of what it's like and prove to everyone that they should leave it alone. Uh, but it's, it's bizarre to me that he would go to Ian Malcolm for this decision. And not Alan Grant. <laughs> yeah, I don't really buy it. <laughs> i just don't like malcolm was against the park from the very beginning the, um why would he want to send somebody who's already been traumatized by dinosaurs i think the argument is someone with experience and I, my only my only head canon for this that i can explain it away is that he already asked the others and they all said no f off <laughs> and it was left with just malcolm was the only option left or or because he was sending his girlfriend 
and the girlfriend was definitely going to go because she's feisty and wants to go see some dinosaurs. Um, he, he knew that he had to make an offer to Malcolm as well. It was almost like a, hey, you can go and like be, be the boyfriend and keep her safe. See, I thought he would send her because he wants then Malcolm. he and Malcolm would have to say yes. But then but why, why would they need Malcolm to go, though? Why? Yeah, yeah I know. That, that, yeah. If anything, I, I thought it was like just a neat thing that, oh, well, he happens to be dating someone who's useful, so... I'll manipulate the situation. Uh, so Hammond appears to be a nicer person in this movie in the sense that he's he's basically trying to keep this as a preserve that can the dinosaurs can be happy and there's a, there's a little bit of like let's not be cruel to the dinosaurs attitude in this right which is fine it's a fine idea. What's funny yeah, is that I'm against animal cruelty, of course, even ones that we breed. Malcolm, funnily enough, never really like even though he's kind of there to help them when they're doing all their sort of like let's free the dinosaurs and like stop this cruelty. He never actually really becomes part of that like that argument he never really seems to care he's just his his attitude the entire time i want my daughter off this damn island <laughs> what can we do to get off this island <laughs> yep oh, that's dear. all but so he's like this is this is not a, a you know a, a reconnaissance mission or whatever he calls it this is now a rescue mission that it leaves right now and this is one of the only two times in the whole movie the main theme from the first movie plays this, this movie has entirely new music for the most part as john as john williams uh however <laughs> It's not as good. And it's not that John Williams is not... Obviously, he's still amazing, but Jurassic Park has a great score already, and he throws... Yeah, it's surprising that they wouldn't use it. Um, it throws most of it out the window. And Unless John Williams watched the movie and said, this is not worthy of my best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so... It's, it's not until the very end where the main themes really come back in. There's a little bit of it that plays as, as Malcolm walks out of the, the room. And... Basically, Hammond is just like, ah, yes. He, he sort of counts with his fingers. He's like, ah, one, two, three, four. Ah, yes. And he smiles and he sits back down. Um, and that's... Thanks, Hammond. We'll see you at the end. <laughs> uh, yep. And they may be leaving in three days, but uh, Sarah's already went to the island. So, obviously, Goldblum's like, no, no, we need to go, 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 go. So, he's, he's with the Eddie, the tech guy, and he's getting the trailers ready. The best ready. character. He is the best character. Um, he's trying to teach Goldblum how to use a satellite phone, which never works. Uh, it's like oh, 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 you know, it'll work when you love it. I love it when it Eddie works. Carr. Eddie Carr is just nothing but delightful and helpful and full of optimism, and he's the best character. He also. I'm ha- so glad nothing bad happens to him. Yes, yes. I- ironically, he also meets his demise uh, whilst in a car. Uh, just, yes. Just. <laughs> um, I mean, technically, the moment of death is like outside the car, but I mean, he gets grabbed when he's in the car. I'm, I'm going to count it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's the best death in the movie though. Serendipitous. <sighs> yeah, but I don't want it to happen to Eddie. Yeah, that like, should be I love Eddie. That should have been Vince Vaughn, let's be honest. That should have been Vince Vaughn. Um Yes. So he's he's he's, he's like no, we need to go go go. His daughter shows up, um Kelly, her name is, and we she has a great line here because she complains that she's been dumped off with some friend that she barely knows. Uh and she says she doesn't even have Sega. And I was like, whoa, okay. And what's funny about this is that not only is this, like, obviously dating it, because Sega, you know, haven't been making consoles in, like, such a long-ass time. Um, mm-hmm. Even even when this came out, this was already kind of a dated line, because this came out in 1997, and 1997, obviously, they weren't done making consoles yet, but this was, like, during the, the like, the dying period of the Sega Saturn. Like, yeah. I, I can't imagine a kid in 1997 going, I really want to play Maybe Sega. Maybe she's just a big Sonic fan. Oh, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe she's like, you know, 
one of those hipsters, you know, that is like, oh, I'm going to like the one that no one else likes. I'm going to, you know, I'm... yeah, you can keep your Mario and your PlayStation and your golden eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, of course, she sneaks on the truck and or the trailer, and they all go there. Uh, the, the 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 captain of the little ship they're on uh, won't go like stay in the water near the island. He's like, no, 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 I'll I'll go miles away, and you can call me in when it's time to come pick you up. I'm not staying around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, like they call the island the five deaths. Yes. Um. What's the, what's I assume that's D E T H. Like Jack Death. <laughs> Jack Death. <laughs> there's five Jack Deaths. So he's in some sort of time loop. So there's five of them. Um. Mm-hmm. I don't like a lot of this build up's got a little bit weird. Uh, because in the first movie, the build up, which admittedly isn't one of danger, it's one of wonder. Right. It's not until things yeah. go wrong that things go dangerous. But what's weird about it in this movie? Is that we already saw the dinosaurs in the last movie, so there's no mystery for us as to exactly like you know setting up that this this like this is the sort of thing you do in a movie uh, where you don't know or you, the characters aren't supposed to know is a threat, right? So you have the local who's scared of the area sort of set it up by you know not wanting to go near it, and but in this movie, it's like we we know what the danger is, we know exactly. I mean, there's no surprises, like we know exactly what the danger is going to be. So it's having this character who's scared to go there. Um, all in setting up the fact that he's not just waiting by the water. They could have just said that. It's like, oh, I can't stay at the shore. I have to like go out and stay in the waters until you call me in or something like that. Like, um, it just it feels like a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's forced. not like we're gonna get there. We're gonna see King Kong, and like we know what we're getting. We're getting there's dinosaurs there. Of course, yeah. they're dangerous. Um, so it just it feels forced to me. Like they're trying to like build up the suspense with this 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 character who's scared to go. Um, because Goldblum's already scared. The characters are already like feeling that way. Yeah. You know, at least one of them is. Uh, so I, I mean, I guess maybe Vince Vaughn doesn't really know what he's getting into, because he's kind of like, oh, you call it the five deaths. Interesting. But I think it's also kind of he's kind of there for, I don't know, to be like the cool, funny guy. And I'm not a Vince Vaughn fan, so wasn't really into it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not particularly big on Vince Vaughn. He's, he's got a couple of roles that worked for him. Like I, I quite enjoyed Do- Dodgeball, but. I mean, oh uh, sure, but yeah, like I'm not particularly a couple good comedies, guy. I suppose. But like, uh, I think this is around the time where people were trying to make him like a not a serious actor. Well, maybe. I mean, when was when was the Psycho remake around this time? One year later. Oof. <laughs> yeah. Rough time. Or like, what's the movie that a lot of bros like? Swingers. Swingers. Yeah. I've never seen it, but. <gasps> Super, I think it's super bro-y. Uh I will um, take your word for it. <laughs> and uh, I do like Wedding Crashers, though. Uh, he works in that one. <laughs> I, I love that one, but yeah, that's fair. Uh, so they get to the island, they've got their, their trailers, and they, they, they get to Sarah, and there's a bit of a danger at first because they find her backpack, but no, she's actually just off uh, photographing uh, the Stegosaurus, and she's all excited, and Goldblum's trying to rush her away, but they, then they have this whole scene where it gets kind of dangerous because the, the, the parents come after the, the kid Stegosaurus because it gets scared because the camera makes a noise. Like, you know, it starts making mm-hmm. a, a do-do-do-do-do noise and freaks out. Uh, it's okay. Uh, so it's, it's one of these things where I, I compare it to the first time we see dinosaurs in the first one, you know, the first time, you know, when they're in the trucks and they look up and we see like, the, yeah. the Brachiosaurus and it's this great epic moment. And here it's almost like oh we have to have it be dangerous immediately we can't we can't just have it be the wonder again um yeah yeah i understand 
the, I mean, it, there is a sense like there is no safe spot on this island because mm. there's nothing's contained. Um, it is very different from Jurassic Park that way, right right away. But uh, I do, I, I kind of like the scene enough. It's it's pretty quick, like the danger's over pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I might just be a bit biased because I was really hoping to see a Stegosaurus and I had to wait till this movie to get it. Yeah, and then, you know, they find out that Kelly's there. Uh, there's a lot of back and forth in the dialogue. Probably some of the better character stuff in the movie is maybe the bickering between the three of them, just because it feels like there's actual character stuff there. Like, it doesn't just feel as bland as some of yeah. the other stuff. Well, this is kind of one of Spielberg's strong suits, too. Mm. No, that's, like that's just true. having family conversations where everyone's sort of talking on top of each other and people sound real. They sound like real people. Because I really like the moment where he's arguing with Sarah in the trailer and he tells Kelly to go outside, and then they have a couple of other sentences, and then he notices uh-huh. Kelly's about to do what he said. He's like, no, no, don't go outside. It's not safe. Stay in here. <laughs> like, I actually really like that little beat. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fun yeah, little moment. Funny. It does. It doesn't seem like the same Ian Malcolm, though. I, I think you could... Like, tr- Family Man Ian Malcolm is... It's a tough pill to swallow. You could try and argue that's why he's different, though, because he's, he's there with his daughter. He's trying to, you know, he's there because he's, he's concerned about people, so he's trying to be really serious. He's, he's, he's a changed man. Um, yeah, yeah. And I like changed characters. I think the problem is, is that E. Malcolm was a character who was fun because he was this particular type of, like, B character, right? He was this fun thing. He was, yeah. He was like, oh, I hate to use this, but he was kind of jazzy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> He was super cool. Like he was just talking about chaos theory. Uh, he he seemed like like a ladies' man, but not somebody who settles down. And, yeah, he he purrs. <laughs> that was my attempt at the Goldblum noise he makes in the, the helicopter in the first one. Didn't go well, but you know what I was doing. Yeah, <laughs> like he's just super cool, and uh, I don't know. And now we get Dad Goldblum, and it it just seems so far from and the, the Ian Malcolm we left off. They're like, okay, well, we liked Ian Malcolm because he was this cool little B character. And I don't but want now- to, I don't want to make it sound like a script should be a, a series of quotable lines that sound like good sound bites, but. I do think there's something to be said about the fact that he has so again, much like Hammond, he has a lot of quotable lines in the first one. But like people say mm-hmm. life finds a way or or well, there it is. Like people say those things all the time. And I don't think there's any line in this movie that people really quote or bring up or like and it's weird because he has more screen time in this one. He has yeah, far or, I mean mommy's very angry, like that doesn't sound like yeah. Malcolm. He he has like probably like probably four or five times as many lines of dialogue in this movie as in the last one. And yet, he has far more quotable moments and lines in the first one. So. I just don't think Ian Malcolm is a hero character. Mm. And even if you give him a daughter and and a, a girlfriend in this in this, you're trying to make him Alan Grant, and he's not. Like, uh, they should have just got Samuel. <laughs> well, we'll get For him it, next time. Know. So, well, we'll yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see. True. We'll see in three how Sam Neil fares. Uh, another confusing character but that's okay we'll, we'll get to it yes yes, yes. <laughs> we'll get to three uh this is when engine show up and we get a big montage of them like storming the island and like immediately like you know having trucks and bikes and like chasing after various dinosaurs and capturing the gunner seats for some of their vehicles and 
all the rest of it. And we introduced a few other characters here. Obviously, uh, Ludlow's there. Uh, we also have uh, Tembo, who's the, the, the great hunter, uh, who's here. He post away. To, to bag himself a T-Rex, the most dangerous mm-hmm. predator on the planet. Actually, as he puts it, this island has the most dangerous predator on the planet, and I'm going to uh, hunt the second most dangerous animal on the planet. I, I, like, I don't think I ever noticed that he said it that way until this viewing, and I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, oh, that was a neat little twist of the way he said I it. I do like, I mean, I, I do like his character too. He's he's next to Eddie Carr for me. He Yeah, but... he's, he's okay. I feel like... It's, so this is a kind of a structural problem in the movie that you know it becomes a problem later but mm-hmm. Tembo and Vince Vaughn's character and Kelly three of the major characters we spent a lot of time with really like having through these adventures uh, over the course of the movie whether or not they've been good or bad is up for debate but when the movie shifts to the city all those characters disappear and yeah. we see Kelly like briefly at the very very end but like all those characters who are like because they shift location like a lot of the more interesting dynamics that may have been there before are just gone and yeah. it becomes just chasing around you know the t-rex around the city trying to like get his attention and so on but that always bugs me in this movie it feels like wait so he just, he just leaves the movie at this point uh it, oh i agree like he's just he's only part of one storyline that ends two-thirds of the way and then i mean it's not like he's killed or anything it's just my job is done and I guess he's kind of like, you know, people love the, um, uh, what was his name? The, the Aussie hunter in the first one. Clever girl. Yeah, that guy. But, and I guess we're going to make that type of character again, but make him a villain, but also not somewhat like he's not really working for engine. Like he's, he's almost like a mercenary, but he has his own goal you know so he's not really the villain the ultimate villain is engine but it's uh he maybe it's just pete postal ways i think he's awesome he um i feel like his, like his arc is kind of weird to me because i don't think it goes all the way with it because i think like you know everyone keeps telling them when they first meet up after the because basically what happens is, is our main group sabotage all their cages and all the dinosaurs they captured go running away and like sort of wreck, like wreck a lot of their camp um and it's kind of this noble thing because we find out vince vaughn's actually like he's a photographer but he's also someone who like um like does things like this he's a bit of an activist when it comes to like animal rights and things like that um right didn't he say he served in like Greenpeace, one of the deserts, <laughs> Afghanistan or something. Yeah, yeah. So once once they like actually kind of interact with each other, we're skipping over the trailer part. We'll get to that in a minute. But once they interact with each other, there's some deb- you know debates amongst like you know hunting is wrong and you know leave leave the animals, which a sentiment mm-hmm. I you know agree with, um, uh, t- generally speaking. And it does this thing with him where he's there to live. He gets the thrill from this and all that. But he has this kind of arc where because his friend gets killed and all this um by the end and he, he does get the, the t-rex he, he, he tranks the t-rex and he gets it down and they've got it all caged up later in the movie and he just says I've, mm-hmm. oh, I've had enough of the business of death i'm done and he walks off as if like he's had no satisfaction from it and i almost felt like if he was going to have an arc where he eventually believed that he should leave the, the dinosaurs to live in peace then i don't know i felt like there, there could be more more with that I, I don't know if it made its point quite as succinctly as it should have done i i guess it's a little there's room for a little bit more closure on his character. Well, undercooked, I guess is what I'm saying. 
Yeah, it's kind of consistent with a lot of this film, though. Yeah, that's true. Because he's actually trying to hunt... Because the reason why uh, Sarah and Vince Vaughn find the the baby T-Rex, the adolescent, is because... Mm -hmm they've actually got him like like pinned uh, as a trap for, for the t-rex uh to come and find them and they take him this is this is the stupid moment i was referring to earlier they take the baby t-rex and you know ian malcolm as soon as they show up with the baby t-rex like what was what that you can't have that here this is a terrible idea and sure enough mm -hmm. everything bad that happens to them from this point on is because they took this baby t-rex mm -hmm. everything that's why we don't have eddie and it's why we don't have Eddie. Everything bad that happens. The, Everything bad that happens is because of Vince Vaughn. It's because of Vince Vaughn. Because <laughs> he has to help the baby T-Rex. Sure, that's noble and all that, but like, it's actually really dangerous because the mummy and daddy T-Rex are going to come and <laughs> looking for it. <laughs> and yeah. a, a, as they explain later, because uh, they've had to defend this area, they're now like re-establishing what their territory is. So now they're going to be changing their patterns and they're so unpredictable and now we're screwed mm -hmm. we have to we have to go and find ways to communicate with the with the island or the choppers or whatever so you know it, it like everything happens because vince vaughn's an idiot and brought that t-rex baby back to the trailer yep but then we get the one good scene in the movie so uh the, the two t-rexes what's, 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 what's weird about this is i remember as a kid thinking that when they come out to kill eddie that that was the reveal that there was two T-Rexes, but watching it now, like no, there's clearly two yep. uh, the entire time. Like when they come out to the the trailer, uh, yeah. I mean, you see one at first, and then a second one shows up pretty quickly, and yeah. they realize that they're surrounded by T-Rex, which yeah, is very cool. Is this basically what they did to up the up the uh, up the danger? We'll have two T-Rexes. <laughs> yeah. Jurassic Park Two. How do you write a song that's five thousand times better than Candle in the Wind? Five thousand candles in the wind. <laughs> bye, bye, little Sebastian. Uh, Five thousand candles in the wind. Ah, <laughs> uh, parts and wreck. What a show. Uh, so yeah, we got that's a pretty decent action scene. You know, you got them. Uh, you know, they, they kind of like slowly give the, the baby T Rex out, and then they think they're safe for a second. And Malcolm just has a moment. He's like, "This is going to be very bad." And then all of a sudden. It, they intentionally, the T-Rexes intentionally sort of hit the, the trailer off the side of the, mm -hmm. the cliff. Um, which, for the record, like it's not as egregious as the first movie where the cliff appears out of nowhere, but given where we saw the trailer come from during daylight, you know, where it came in, I don't remember there being any hint of a cliff nearby. <laughs> oh yeah, there's there's definitely a cliff. Because oh, you there? can see the, the engine like um, equipment showing up and stuff and they're looking off okay. of the cliff and they're watching it yeah okay. it's it's there it's still a confusing place to park but <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like sometimes one of my cats will lie with their back right next to the edge of the bed and then be surprised later on when they they wake up almost falling off of it what do you think was going to happen yeah i i i love this scene this scene is great and uh, it's uh it's you, you can tell they were proud of it, you know, because it is like the centerpiece of the movie. <laughs> oh, it is, yeah. Because we had the whole thing where it's diagonal off the side of the cliff and they're hanging on. Julianne Moore like falls and hits the glass at the bottom, which is you know, the, the, the glass is like slowly cracking. You're like, ooh, it is tense. Yeah, like, and then, then eventually when they're down there and the things are really bad and they're hanging on, you know, Eddie shows up. up you know, because Eddie's been up in the high high. They've got this sort of lift thing with the, the daughter. Yeah. yeah, and 
Eddie comes in with a car and he's got like a wench and he's, he's got, he, got, he puts a rope around the tree and he's, he throws a rope down so they can start climbing up. But then the uh-huh. actual trailer, because the, 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 it's like a like one, because it's like a two-part trailer. So there's one on mm-hmm. the on the ground and there's one dangling off the cliff. It starts to slide off in the mud, and he mm-hmm. sees this. And Joe, Joe is actually really good about this scene. It's a lot funnier than you think it would be because there's a moment in here yeah, with, the, with the hijinks where Eddie like sees it sliding and he goes over to the car and he gets the the the, the wench at the front of the car and he like hooks it on. And he does a lot of stuff and just as he like gets it all tied up. Um. Then <laughs> the, rope the, the rope, the rope that's uh like they're climbing up, uh, gives way, and he has to run over there, grab that, put it around, and do like an even better knot so that it'll be fine and not. Th- and as soon as he ties that knot, he looks over, and the car that's wenched to the trailer starts sliding with the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> so and it's 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 that moment. It's when he looks over at the car and it's sliding. It's starting to move. I actually started laughing because this is just this is almost a slapstick comedy. Like how much he's going back oh, and forth between yeah, the two things. You can add some benny hill music to it and it would be pretty funny it's it's great i mean plus it, it's just one more thing to be like ah oh, eddie what a good guy yeah <laughs> he, he gave his life to save them he he's in the car yeah, he's doing he's doing everything and then he's in the car he's going in the reverse and who shows up the two t-rex again yep and even though he's totally exposed in the rain to these two t-rexes he's still hitting that reverse what a guy. One T-Rex grabs him, pulls him out. And I do actually love this moment because they throw him up in the air. They both grab him and then rip him apart in half. It's, it's kind yeah. of an amazing visual. Oh, it's violent. It's the best visual it's of it. If, no it, way for a good a good character to go. If any, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. I feel like, this feels like it should be the death of um, like Ludlow or something. Although Ludlow does get a pretty good death at the end, admittedly. You know, yeah, where, he does. But like, it's just we don't get... Um, Joe, yeah, should, Joe, we should don't be. really get a whole lot of like deaths that we get to see. We get this one for Eddie. We get one for the the mute guy from from Fargo, and then we get the, the Ludlow at the end. And like, that's really it, right? The mute guy? You mean you mean Peter Stormer's character, the one who like shocks the the little? The, yeah, the one from the one from Fargo. I only know him from this in Fargo. I remember him being mute in that. I remember him being a mute character. He's he's not really mute, oh, but he just doesn't talk. Is this the movie we're and, talking about? Yeah. Okay, I was in a TV show. He doesn't talk, and so Steve Buscemi always calls him mute because Steve Buscemi can cannot help himself but talk. Oh, in of that course, movie. yeah, um, yeah. yeah, like yeah, maybe he should have gotten this T Rex death. You know, like I know I know it's meant to be just because he shocked one of the little ones and the little ones kill him, but you know. Yeah, and I that death is okay. It, it's a bit of a stretch, but I mean, I, I guess it's kind of interesting that something so small can be still overwhelming when there's so many of them. Yeah. And it, it is funny that he's the big tough guy and he gets defeated by the smallest dinosaur on the island. <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of feels just a little bit like, I don't know. This is my thing. Like, I feel like a lot of the characters are blander versions of what we had in the first one. I think, you know, Ludlow... <laughs> is kind of a mix between like a, a sort of bad version of Hammond and the lawyer, right? That, that's kind yeah, of like what it is. Um, and then you have, like you say, Tembo's kind of the, 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 the update on Clever Girl, man, from the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have this guy who, he, I mean, he's not really the, the Nedry, but he kind of gets the Nedry death. Nedry. Yeah, like he's a different type of character, but he has that kind of death. Um, 
I don't know, it feels like it's just remixed some of the elements of the first one and, uh, you know, does what it does. Uh, I, anyway, eventually, the, the, after his death, the truck does go down, but we get this shot of, like, them sort of hanging out of the, the, the rope and the trucks, or the, the trailer goes around, the, it, you know, it falls down around them, essentially, and they just mm-hmm. stay in place. And then eventually, the rest of the engine people show up to help them, and they're stuck together. They have to make it away across the island to get to this communication station. But that means mm-hmm. going through raptor territory which is very dangerous and see watching this again now the moment when because there's like a sort of guy with a cowboy hat with long hair who's kind of the, the expert for, for the yeah, engine he's guys. like the paleontologist um, hired by engine um if I, I think it's i think it's this scene actually um where because i noted this I, I noted this in my head that they actually repeated a shot here from the first movie. You know the shot in the first movie when they first see dinosaurs, right? And then they're asking Hammond, like, you know, what, the, you know, how fast they are, and so on and so on. There's a shot where um, Ellie is like sort of further back, and Hammond's right up and close to the frame, and she says, "Oh, you've got, you've got a T Rex." And he's like, "We've got a T Rex." And then uh, Sam Neil pops his head in, like right, in the, right in front of Hammond, and it comes in from the left, and he's like, "Say yeah. again, say again." We've got a T Rex. Like it's that it's that moment. You just right? wanted to bring this up. No, so no, no. I'm serious. <laughs> like they, they do this shot again. I can't remember who's standing in the back, but Ian Malcolm, you know, uh, Jeff Goldblum does this moment because I, I, I noticed it was set yeah, up right. uh, where you, you know I can see it, uh, and then he steps. He's like raptors. Right. Yeah, like it's, it's that it, they do the same shot, and I was like, I don't know if I like that they do the same shot or if I'm annoyed that they're just repeating shots <laughs> like I, I don't know if, if it has any like worth maybe we're just seeing the strings of spielberg he's like this worked last time so <laughs> maybe he has a scene like that in all of his movies we just i mean maybe, um but it really stuck out to me and i don't think i'd ever like noticed it before and like sort of but hey that was that was a shot in the first one maybe it's just because mm-hmm. this is the first time in a long time that i've watched them close together where you know i, I can remember those details i i don't watch lost world like I really, I skip it a lot. Yeah, I, I, well, I don't really either. I like, I feel like, I used to watch it a lot as a kid because again, you convince yourself you like things as a kid. Um, I yeah, think as an adult, I, I watched the first one, um, and that, that's really it in terms of rewatching. <laughs> yeah, really, I watched the first one, and it's. Uh, I think I thought this movie would be better watching it again because mm. it is still Spielberg and I remember a lot of the shots being really good uh, but to be honest like it's not <laughs> <laughs> it, it feels like Spielberg like was forced to make this movie mm. and he he did you know he didn't have the passion for it or something because a lot of it feels feels quick yeah feels like a, well, this is the weird thing. It's like if you actually look at the runtime, um, the trailer stuff is actually almost bang on halfway through the movie, and then the rest of the stuff on the island does go in really quick. There's kind of a mo- various montages of them walking. Uh, the next big stuff that happens, other than uh, you know that one guy's death, is uh, when the T Rexes show up when they're in the tents, and like Sarah's in a tent with Kelly, and she's trying to like stay quiet as the as the T Rex is kind of poking its head in the tent. And then after mm-hmm. that, the carnage happens and, like, everyone goes running. Uh, you know, Cowboy Hat Man, like, ends up getting eaten because he, he gets scared because a snake goes down his shirt and he, like, runs out of the waterfall that they're all hiding in 
And I like that moment. I like the moment. <laughs> the because, waterfall turns red. I, I like the blood. Yeah, I like the blood in the water. I, I do like that moment. Like this is the thing. There's so many little things in this that are quite good. There's lots of little. Mo- I, I could probably list like a good five or whatever. Like you know, the the trailer scene in general really good. Uh, I'll I'll include the Eddie stuff afterwards with that too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, blood turning red here, pretty good. Um, and then there's, there's some other ones. I've, I said one earlier and I've forgotten it now already. But uh, you know. Like, or even just, even just, you know, don't go outside that moment. Like, there's just little funny... Uh, yeah, yeah. The the family stuff yeah. in, the, in the trailer was, is decent. Um, So, we do get the long grass. We get, don't go in the grass! Don't go into the long grass! Yes, that's the <laughs> Which one. is a scene I remember really liking in the theater. And it's it's still pretty good here. Um, I don't really love this stuff later on with the raptors, but... Uh, it might just be because I know there's a scene coming that I just hate. <laughs> I think it's because uh, the weird thing here is that the Raptors got a lot more time in the first movie, or at least a lot more kind of like notable time in the sense that all their stuff at the end of the first movie was pr- them properly stalking people through a building, right? And that was really exciting. And mm-hmm. this stuff on the grass, and then the stuff that happens after it around the sort of the center they go to. Like, it, it does kind of, like, the stuff in the grass is kind of, like, okay, but it's, it doesn't have the geography because they're just kind of hiding. It's okay. Really, yeah. the the part that's good is just the overhead shot where you yeah. can see the raptors, like, going through the grass towards them. And it's like, ooh, yeah. that's good. Or but, uh, but after after that, I think it's because the raptors and the people are in the open so much that... It's just kind of a, you can't get me in behind a car. Now I'm in the car. Now you're in the car. And I'm off the car. And it's just like, I don't know. Like, it, there's no there's no tension there. And there's also, there's also the digging underneath the, the, the wall. Like, the, the, there's that sort of wooden wall that the raptor's, like, digging under to get in. And the head's <laughs> kind of like poking out. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, that's I like, okay I like as a moment. I like seeing the digging. But, like a dog. Again, it's Maybe like... Maybe because the, it's kind of practical. I, yeah. I, I like that moment, but... It's, it's, it's them but being then all the smart. stuff, they're like in the, chasing them up the building and... Yeah, yeah like, like <laughs> some of it's the raptors showing their intelligence, like the digging, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, some of the other stuff is just kind of... You know, it's whatever. Like, I, I don't necessarily mind the stuff in the car and, like, the dodging and whatever. It's it's okay. Uh, Vince Vaughn actually ran ahead and called uh for help, so there's a helicopter coming, uh, which is a weird thing here, is they just kind of, like... So, so Malcolm ends up like you know, sort of running from a raptor, and Kelly and Sarah are already up really high in this building. And earlier on in the film, there was one one conversation that referenced the fact that she was on a gymnastics team and she got kicked off the team in school, which leads to this scene where, to save her dad, she jumps onto like a pipe or whatever it is and does some gymnastics. Yeah. She's sort of like, and here's the that any chalk, with any chalk. Do you know what I hate about this moment, though? It really bugs me. Is that she swings a couple of times and then she sort of stops and starts swinging the other way. And all I could think was, you literally just like stopped your momentum. Like you, you started again. Like, <laughs> like why did you? She, I don't know. It looked like a real gymnast move to me, but it's well, no, no, that's no, a real gymnast. High low bars that are set and. <laughs> oh no, no, yeah, no, that, that's stupid. But like, it's not that it's not a real gymnast move. I'm, I'm questioning it in the context of what she's actually doing. Um, it felt like she was putting an unnecessarily twists into this to make it look oh, fancier. All the flourish. Yeah, there was, there was flourish that didn't need to be. And maybe she doesn't know how to do it any other way because she, like she's always putting. Oh, on she did get kicked off the team. Yeah, <laughs> but she kicks the raptor through a wall, and 
I don't know. Kid with gymnastics beating the raptor kind of makes the raptors feel like a bunch of chumps. It really does. It's uh, it's it's so cringy. Like even as a kid, even as a kid who's probably around the same age of as Kelly in the film when I went to watch it, and a kid who also did gymnastics, and. I should love this moment. And I remember watching it and going, oh, I hate this. I hate this. <laughs> Why is this in here? <laughs> and what's weird Kids to me? should not be able to defeat a, a raptor with strength. No. I, I don't know. Or it's just so cheesy. It's really cheesy. What, what gets me, though, is that after this, they come out of the building and like Vince Vaughn's up top in the helipad. And he's like, here, come on. The helicopter's here. And the helicopter's arriving. What I thought was really weird is that they just kind of hobble from there up to the helicopter, and I'm like, those two raptors are still, like, around. Like, well, actually, no, one get, well, the one that went out the wall got impaled. That's right. The one that, the one that she kicked actually dies from impaled, getting impaled in a pipe. So yeah. She, she did kill one, but... like it just, Another one fell off the roof, but... Yeah, I'd imagine that one's okay, though, right? Maybe a little injured, but still... Something might have happened after, because she falls off the roof, too. Mm. I don't remember what happens. I remember but... her throwing down slates. Like she sort of like taking the slates off the roof and like sort of launching them at the the raptor. Yeah, Does and it... then she slips also. Yeah, uh, that was the whole thing. Um, so this is basically yeah, this right is into them... the raptor's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> this is them leaving the island. This is like you know like the, 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 and they notice that the 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 T Rex has been captured, um, and they're going to ship that back. But uh, this is the end of the whole island segment, and we we jump. A little bit of time ahead, not a lot of time, because because we know it's not that far from from San Diego, this island. Um, mm-hmm. Relative, you know, comparatively speaking, it's not, it's not like it's like you know ten hours on a plane. It's a couple hours on a plane. Um, so this boat comes in at the wee hours of the morning, and I have so many questions. Uh, oh, me too. <laughs> about some of this. Um, first of all, how did the T Rex get back into the, the containment area where the, the roof? Uh, even though the guy like who who was hitting the button had his arm ripped off, um, like how how did he get back in there? How did he get into the like the bridge of the ship with his giant head and <laughs> eat everybody without breaking any glass? Which actually, or... that, that's the other thing that was not mentioned is uh, this was a complaint in the first movie as well, admittedly, but uh, it was really notable right from the get go in this one is that. The T-Rexes, much like slasher it's villains, so sneaky. They, they can be as quiet as they want to be until they want to give us the loud noise, the, the thumping to sell the tension. But yeah, they are so sneaky. They're ninjas. They are ninja T-Rex in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. The first movie is guilty of that too, but only in the last scene, which yeah. is confusing, but whatever. That movie's a 10. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is not. Uh so yeah. I've always I've always been baffled by that, and of course immediately the T Rex gets out and goes on a rampage, uh, and we get a sequence of events of like uh, going for a drink in a swimming pool, eating the dog that's in the, the little dog house. Um, that's a good part though. <laughs> There's a dinosaur in my backyard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't. This is the thing. Like some of these little things that happen when he's in the city, I, I don't mind them on their own. Like I, I think if the movie was more about dinosaurs escaping the, the park that's meant to be in the city that we see, you know, pre, you know, sort of mostly built later. Um, yeah. I'd be fine if that was the premise of the movie. Um, but we see, we see that and the, the, the parents freaking, their, losing their shit 
when they actually see it's a real dinosaur. Uh, we see a bizarre Easter egg. I don't know. Did you notice this in the video store? Oh. No. So, so at one point, when the dinosaur, the T-Rex is going down the street and the bus is like getting hit by it, which, you know, again, I like the idea of the T-Rex hitting the bus, but there's a guy mm-hmm. who tries to run into uh, the video store, right? Did you not notice uh-huh. the, the stand-up that was at the front of the store? No, I don't think so. It was It's Arnold... a nighttime scene, though, so I had, you know, the, the whole blotchy <laughs> thing. It was Arnold Schwarzenegger in a production of King Lear. <laughs> It was something like that. If it wasn't King Lear, it was something like that. But it was like a Shakespeare. It was. It wasn't Hamlet. I remembered Hamlet because that's Last Action Hero. So this is a parallel universe. A, par- a parallel. This is a parallel universe. I noticed that because the other ones were real. Because I was. Because I always notice these things whenever I go to a movie store in a movie or whatever. I'll, I'll notice the the posters of the time or. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah. I always think. I always try to look too. I. I don't know. I didn't see it this time. And I was like, wait, what? Is that, maybe, is that maybe like a weird, like, wink, wink, member Last Action Hero joke? Because I don't know. It's not like Spielberg was involved in that. It's not like... Uh, but but Last Action Hero, he went to... It was... The joke was that he wasn't on the posters. That it was Stallone. Well, no, no, but it's, no, but it's still a reference to Last Action Hero because in Last Action Hero, you see him as Hamlet. Remember the kid has a dream sequence? Or he, or he doesn't have a dream sequence. He, he interprets Hamlet as if it's like a, an Arnold movie. So be or oh, not yeah, to be, right. <laughs> not to be. You know that. How did you forget the Hamlet scene? Not to be. <laughs> Claudius. Time. Claudius, you killed my father. <laughs> yeah, great, great Charles dance villain. Oh, Charles! Just for years, that's what I knew Charles Dance from. Everyone else talks about him in Game of Thrones. I'm like, no, he, no, he's the bad guy in Last Action Hero. You filthy, yeah, casuals. How dare you? Definitely. <laughs> uh, he's also in Alien Three, which we'll do at some point. But um, yeah, Last Action. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Lost World. Back to the Lost World. <laughs> um, oh, I, I could talk about Last Action. Last Action Heroes doesn't get as. I mean, it's not the best Arnold movie, but it gets less love oh, than it should. Fine. It's it's so fun. Like when the kid tries to get him to swear and he can't because it's a PG thirteen, so you can't say that word. <laughs> uh, there's so many good jokes in it. I don't. Yeah, that one doesn't get a lot of love. You're right, but and, it should. It's and, great. And correct me if I'm wrong, but is that not the movie where the two days from retirement joke comes from? Oh, definitely. Yeah, the cops. Just two... I mean, I don't, I, what I'm saying is, was was that already like a running thing and the movie just makes a joke about it or did the movie invent that joke? I'm not sure. That's what I know it from originally. Oh, no, I'm fairly sure it was a trope already. Okay. All right, that's fine then. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I, I love the... See, see, when he goes to see the movie at the start and you see the opening titles for this, like, Jack Slater 4 and it's like, every credit's on a different wall that breaks. And it's, it's like... <laughs> Oh, last actually he was so good. <laughs> it's sci-fi, right? But the T one thousand walks past at one point, and the, the kid starts freaking. He's like, the T one. He starts freaking out. Oh, it's quality, man. Quality. Hey. Patrick, what a sport! I know he he played that character in like so many movies because he was in Wayne's World like one or two. Like he, he had a cameo as as, as the T one thousand in yeah. that. Because uh, he actually he pulls him over and says, "Have you seen this boy?" And mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, he's a good sport. Anyway, uh, so the, the plan becomes that if we get the baby T Rex, it'll lure the big T Rex, and we can lure him back to the ship. And 
set it on autopilot or so. <laughs> like the ship's busted. It's just, <laughs> the ship just rammed itself into a pier. Like that thing needs to go to dry dock. <laughs> I also couldn't. I couldn't help but uh, think about the fact that this came out probably like j- just a few months before Titanic did. And that they've got a ship oh, like yeah, crashing right. into a dock, and no, no, obviously Titanic didn't crash into a dock. It never made it to the dock. That's kind of the famous part of Titanic. But <laughs> you know, Don't like... spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, dear. I love the idea of like making a Titanic two, right? And like all movie, all the audience thinks the ship's going to crash eventually, but you just don't. You just pull into port. You get you get to New York, like twist ending. <laughs> Then crash. I think there was a second Titanic, not like a movie, but like an actual second ship. Uh, oh, we and Carl looked this up when we were doing an eight to remember. Uh, there was actually, yeah, there was meant to be a second one, or there was like a yeah, because they did they film parts of that movie on there. There was like a sister ship or two sister ships, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't uh, there one called the Titanic too? Oh, maybe not. I think that Maybe was, they changed the name. I think that was something that was meant to happen recently, or is going to happen soon. Mm. I don't know. It's one of those things Whatever. where... Tangent. Yeah, but it's one of those <laughs> things where after Apollo 13, the NASA decided to never put the number 13 in any missions ever again, because it's just asking for bad luck. I feel like mm-hmm. they should never call another ship Titanic. You know what? I mean, I know we've got better tech now, we've got better you know, satellite technology, and we're really good at all this shit. How about, just, we just don't chance it. <laughs> just don't chance it, we yeah. call it Titanic, all right? <laughs> It's funny Nobody's as it is. Nobody's going to want to be on it. Uh, do you know what? I, I feel like there's a, a comedy beat where Titanic 2, everyone's all goes, oh, that's no, the future now. We're not going to have any problems. And they somehow still hit an iceberg and they're going to die. And they're like... Yeah, there's a future element upset about that. I just, <laughs> I, I, I just, I almost imagine like the captain of the ship just looking at the camera as if he's like Jim from the office with a like, are you kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> Who knows? At... Maybe that's the premise of uh, that new HBO show, Avenue Five. Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, so, which I've probably started by the time this goes up. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. We're not that far yeah. ahead. I think it's January. Yeah, January. Really. January. Drew, really drew that out. <laughs> I'm sleepy. <laughs> uh, so they get the baby T Rex. They sort of like lure it back, lure the big T Rex back to the ship get it on um our villain needs to meet his demise of course ludlow uh ends up in the in the the, 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 the you know the the the, the cargo with the t-rex and the baby but what's you got a cute little moment where the t-rex is like no, no 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 this is your kill baby you take you this is your first kill on you go so the baby t-rex mm-hmm. uh does like the kill <laughs> he deserves it it was very sweet oh nature and and, and movie and <laughs> movie plotting realms he deserved it <laughs> Yes. Take that Joker. Take that Joker? That's his name. His code name in um, Full Metal Jacket. Ah, very good. I'll I'll confuse him. Nothing to do with the Joker. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what I'm going to think of because, you know, I'm a DC nerd. Nerd. (laughs) Oh, do we have to talk about your Star Trek fandom, like, anytime, you know, soon? Because... We can move on. (laughs) <laughs> last last I checked, comic books were more mainstream right now than Trek is. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see after the Tarantino movie who's got the last laugh. <laughs> oh, did you not see? He's pulling away from it. He's leaning towards Kill Bill 3 instead. Well, 
I disapprove. I'm sorry, T, but I don't think it's happening. You're getting Star Trek Four with the the cast coming back, by the sounds of it. Okay, I mean I'll take it, but <laughs> you know I want that Tarantino movie. So, yeah, he gets killed, and then there's a you know on TV Hammond quotes uh, Malcolm says, "Life has found a way." Or no, that's the last line because he builds up to it. He gives a speech about how you know, we shouldn't interfere; they should thrive in spite of us. They should thrive away from us, and life will find a way. And, and as he finishes his speech. We get a final shot of the island, which I thought was a weird shot because the T-Rex are like maybe like, I don't know, 50 feet from the Stegosaurus herd that's walking there. I'm like, they wouldn't be this close. Mm-hmm. That That seems really dangerous for some of these dinosaurs. Yeah. Uh, They're all just living in harmony. And I'm going to get corrected, but I don't know what to call them. So I'm just going to say pterodactyl uh, comes swooping in. and I think it is pterodactyl. I'm pretty sure I found out like after this, like, like what we think about is pterodactyls aren't really dinosaurs or some stupid like that. I don't know. I'm no expert. I don't claim to be an expert. I'm just... I'm going to call them pterodactyls, okay? I, I think they are. I think they're dinosaurs. Okay. Hey, you'll know better than I do. Uh, I mean, there's prehistoric birds and there's pterodactyls, and they are separate, but also birds are a type of dinosaur. Do you know what, do you know what yeah. I love? I love that the third movie had to have pterodactyls in it because the, this ending kind of said, hey, we've got pterodactyls now. And uh, ev- yeah, it is a tease. And everyone would have been pissed because they're, they're not in the rest of the movie. They're just here at the end. So everyone mm-hmm. would have been pissed if there was no pterodactyls in, in three. So they make a big point of making it a big part of three is that there's the whole pterodactyl cage. Yeah, but I mean, not to spoil anything about their next review, mm-hmm. but that scene on the bridge with the pterodactyl walking out of the shadows or the mist is a 10 out of 10 <laughs> it's such a cool moment <laughs> look I'll, i'm going to spoil my thoughts and i might change my mind as well. i've not seen three in a long time but i will say this now i have always preferred three to lost world oh me too i've always preferred me three too. so we'll find out how well that holds up um and it's funny because at the start you sort of jokingly said oh, this is this, this opens like a b movie but the reason why i like three is that it's a b movie and it knows it's a b movie and just does b movie yeah, things that's the thing though right like like jurassic park is a b movie with the budget and like like you've said this before like some of your favorite movies are movies that should be b movies but are taken seriously yeah this one is a b movie with the budget and it wants to be the first one but there's nothing there like it's 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 a it's a it's a b movie script with an a movie budget but it fails and this uh the third one is just like okay let's just give the people what they want they want monsters Let's just give them what they want. And it's also a lot leaner because uh, this movie is like over two hours long. And like the third one, if I remember correctly, is a much closer to 90 minutes. And it's more lean and like just let's just have the adventure. Let's do what you want. And Yeah, it goes, you know, gets into it quickly. Um, and yeah, it delivers what you want. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to be, I haven't seen it in a while also, but I think I'm probably going to be rating it higher, especially because this watch was disappointing. And don't get me wrong, I, I am fascinated to revisit because it's, it's a really stupid moment, but I kind of love it for how bad it is in three. But I can't wait for the uh, the phone inside the Spinosaurus, uh, <laughs> where where it's just standing there. You just hear do 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 do, do and it's just standing there, and I'm like, wait, so you heard the phone from miles away and went to find it, but you didn't hear any footsteps from this Spinosaurus. <laughs> like, and first of all, I'm pretty sure that skin is thick enough to mask the entire sound of that phone. Like, there's no way in hell you would even hear it. 
Maybe maybe you'd faintly hear it if you were right up like pressed against it or something like that. But like Oh yeah. yeah. It's t- it's definitely stupid. Like my phone my 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 phone, which is a much newer, more advanced phone than the phone in Jurassic Park three that came out in nine no, two thousand one. Uh and this'll ring in the other room and I won't hear it. Never mind <laughs> like miles away in the jungle when it's inside the belly of a giant dinosaur. <laughs> so I mean, anyway, that's for next time. We'll talk about Jurassic Park 3 in depth uh, when we get there. Uh, I'm looking forward to revisiting it and seeing how I feel. So Yeah, me too. A few more weeks. A few more weeks, yeah, about a month from now. Um, so that's that's basically the movie. Like, I, I, you know, I, I hope we found a way to, you know, have some fun talking about this because I, I think the movie, it suffers from mostly just having a lot of bland characters and it doesn't do enough to separate itself from the action of the first one, even though it sounds like oh, there's no fences, that should make it more exciting. But to be honest, the fences actually gave the, the first movie some rules that eventually mm-hmm. it could break, and when it broke the, the fences, because the fences were no longer dangerous or, or yeah. safe, or whatever, you, whatever way you want to phrase it, uh, that that told us, oh shit, things just turned up. Whereas in this yeah. movie, it's a lot more vague to like, okay, so like we're kind of safe in the outskirts of the island, but oh, no, we're not, and... Like things, the rules have changed now. Anyway, like it is, it doesn't have. And the, you murdered Eddie Carr. Can't how, forgive it. And how dare you mur- murder Eddie Carr? Like I just, I feel like the second movie doesn't have a clear structure or a clear escalation that makes it fun to watch. Like the first movie definitely does. Yeah, I agree. And that, that that's problem number one. Problem number two is just try to recapture the first movie too much. Um, when. And not knowing who the characters are from the first one, like it just—it doesn't seem like a natural evolution of this character that we saw mm. in the first movie. I really don't think Ian Malcolm should have been the star of this one. Yeah, and it's just what even it's, though he's a fan favorite. But. Honestly, like, but, but, I mean, obviously we'll get to Jurassic World and Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, and what's weird about Fallen Kingdom is I only just reviewed that when it came out, like not that long ago really but like oh it's like last year yeah i'm actually kind of excited to watch it again though to see how i feel about it because i had like it's not a good movie but there was definitely half of that movie that i kind of loved for like what it was doing even though it was bad yeah. right there's a monster in the house that's yeah. great <laughs> <laughs> whereas like it was embracing its b-moviness and one of the things i like about three is that it's just a, it just knows it's a b-movie let's just have fun with the b-moviness of it right and mm-hmm. I think Jurassic Park movies, much like Friday the 13th movies, could just keep continuing. I mean, they're a lot more expensive, obviously, so they have to do better, but they could continue forever like Friday the 13th because when I go to see a Friday the 13th sequel, I just want Jason killing people in inventive ways. I just want more killing. I don't want anything mm-hmm. fancy. And I think... I, I kinda You want feel- Jason Takes Manhattan. I love Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs> that boxing scene is like... Freaking amazing, right? <laughs> freaking amazing. Uh, dear. dear, dear, and I don't care that they shot most of it in Vancouver. I really don't. Like, it doesn't matter. They're in the city streets, and Jason's walking around with a machete. That's all I care about. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, uh, yeah, go check out me and Tim's review. Of, uh, all, all, well, almost all of the Friday the Thirteenth movies so far. Uh, and streams after midnight if you're interested. Uh, Highly recommend. But uh, we are at the point now where we have to 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 rate. Uh, rate the Lost World, uh, Jurassic Park. So, Tara, what would you give it? Hmm. Well, I don't really like this movie very much. There, 
maybe a quarter of the film I'm into and I think is really well done. Uh, and then the rest of it is messy and not as good as it should be. Like, which it should be the tagline for the poster, <laughs> I think. I mean, you got a great cast. You know you've got, actually, you've got... on the poster, right? So the, so the tagline in the first one was um, 65 million years in the making, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the tagline for Jurassic World, which I thought was also really good, was just, the park is open. That means a lot yeah. to us, right? If you're a Jurassic Park fan, the park is open means a lot. Yeah, especially after, you know, having yeah. such a wait between the films. The the tagline like... on the Lost World poster, right? So the first one's 65 million years in the making, which is a really witty tagline. The tagline on Lost World is, something has survived. That's right. I remember that. That's all it is. That is so boring. <laughs> Something has survived, but like nothing died on the island. So, I mean, I guess uh, they do address the lysine thing like right away in the film. So I guess we're supposed to remember that fact from the first movie when we read the tagline for the sequel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But of course, like the presumably the Isla Nublar also has a ton of dinosaurs on it. Interestingly, uh, Jurassic Park 3's poster does not have a tagline. No, it's just the pterodactyl. <laughs> well, it's, it's the, the logo's got the Spinosaurus in it, and it's got a different color scheme, but the shadow of the pterodactyl's over the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so... Yeah, we were in that. Yeah. I... It's not, it's not the, a difficult movie to watch. It's just, I think, because the first one's so masterfully done that this is just so disappointing and uh, i have to punish it oh. so i'm i'm giving it a five <laughs> pretty low you you really uh like agonized over that there and felt like you had to justify it i i am going to just jump in and say as a five out of ten i agree <laughs> okay that's the number it is i it just is. don't want to give a jurassic park movie by steven spielberg a five but i it's a five that means on average these jurassic park movies are a 7.5 Hey, not bad. <laughs> not his best, but not bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I um, it's just really bland. It's really middling. Um, it's like you say, it's not difficult to watch. It's not, it's not a terrible movie by any means. It's very serviceable. Uh, but that's that's probably the most frustrating thing about it is it's just so serviceable. It's yeah. constantly serviceable, but serviceable isn't fun or exciting couple of bright spots but otherwise i have to go with the five so i agree uh, okay there you go that is the lost world jurassic park and of course in about a month's time we'll be back with jurassic park 3 of course next week though uh we have something else for you we have actually not even a movie next week next week because it is the end of the year and i haven't quite timed to see if this if this next one goes up before the end of december or, uh the start of january but next time we will be doing a countdown episode instead of reviewing a film me and Tara have both made our top 25 science fiction movies of the decade lists, and we're going to reveal our lists, uh, and probably what will be a, a nice, I mean, they're all meaty episodes with us, to be honest, we talk a lot, but <laughs> it'll be a I nice... I bet our lists are going to be very different. Probably, probably. <laughs> Joe, this is the thing, I think, if we do it, let's say this goes for 10 years, and we do it again in 10 years' time, I think our list for the next decade will be a lot more similar, because we'll be making a point of seeing a lot of the same films, we'll be talking about them together, you know, I think that... Yeah, plus you can kind of talk me up or down a score mm. a bit. 
So <laughs> you're blaming maybe. me. You're saying I'm influencing it. Well, a little bit. I mean, sometimes my I I come in and I'm like, I don't know if I like that. And then I talk to and because of our conversation, like, you know, actually there was a lot in there. <laughs> Maybe I do like this more. <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, that's not with me too. There's definitely been reviews with like, uh, you know, Connor or whoever where I'll come in thinking, oh, I was okay, and then by the time I get done talking about, it, I'm like, you know what, it's actually pretty good. You know, actually talking about it brings draws out a lot of the the elements and the quality that yeah. maybe and i think that makes an experience that's part of the experience of the film is being able to to let it let it sit for a while and be like oh i i find myself thinking about this movie a whole lot like i wasn't sure if i liked hereditary when i saw it in the theater but actually it stuck with me for a while oh. so <laughs> it turns out i do like it <laughs> So yeah, there you go. Uh, so next week we'll be doing our top 25 sci-fi movies of the decade. That's 2010 to 2019. Uh, hopefully should be lively. So you can let us know what you, you uh, what yours are in that episode in the comments. But you can let us know what you think of this movie in the comments to this episode. And you can like and subscribe. You can ding the bell on YouTube to make sure you get the notifications. And you can, of course, support us by rating the audio podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. More people find us that way. It really helps us out a lot. As does, of course, supporting us financially over at patreon.com slash TV, which Tara did obviously plug uh, before the start of the spoiler section. So I won't necessarily do the whole thing again, but I'll just remind you of it. It exists. and Go and have a look. Uh, but uh, yeah, that is us. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I mentioned Screams After Midnight earlier. Horror movie podcast that I do with Tim. Check out that. Uh, check out some other stuff. Uh, recently, I did, I did the uh, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker review with Matt and Connor. That was a two and a half hour dissection uh, <laughs> of an episode. So go and have a look at that. And yes, we are aware that is technically science fiction. Shouldn't that be on this show? And it, one day it will be when we have to go through the entire franchise. So you get to watch it again. <laughs> but it'll be a while because I'm not going to do it twice like you know close to each other That's well, lucky for you the patrons have decided that you don't need to watch it yet <laughs> thank you patrons you made me do a lot of bad stuff but I'll, I'll take that as a victory so there you go that is uh, that is very much very much it so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching sci-fi movies guys and computer that's Elsa Yum, yum.